Well, I'm going to close out our series on access. Amen? So I encourage you to go online. Make sure you subscribe to us so that you can get each video that comes, each time it comes. You know, we can't guarantee that we'll release everything, but we'll release what God wants us to release. And you can be a part of, of viewing these services. If you have your Bible, turn over to Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. We're in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19. This has been our key text. And today, we're going to talk about unlock heaven around you. How, how many of you would like to have heaven unlocked around you? Man, that's good news. It's one thing to have heaven unlocked in you. It's another thing to have heaven unlocked around you. All right? And so in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, we've read this. I will give you the keys of the kingdom. Again, Jesus is personally giving out keys. It's not a key, so salvation is not it. It's not the only thing you receive when you come to Jesus. Jesus says, I got a whole lot of keys I want to give you. Plural. There's a whole lot of keys I want to give you. And really, by definition, a key literally is the knowledge of God's will concerning a particular matter. It's the knowledge of God's will concerning a particular matter. And you understand, we go through many matters or issues in life, and we need to seek God's knowledge on it. And so God's knowledge concerning one thing may be different in another area. You can't apply the same scripture in every area of your life. You must seek first the kingdom, and when you do, you'll develop wisdom... You'll get the knowledge of God on how to lock or unlock things in your life. So Jesus said, I will give you. He did not say, you're going to ask me, but I'm not giving you anything because you ought to just be excited you're coming to heaven. You prideful bunch. Really? I died on the cross for you. I got you out of your life of sin, and you want me to give you more? That is not the attitude of our King and Lord. Our King and Lord says, listen... I died on the cross and took care of the sin issue for you so that I could give you gladly the kingdom. It was our Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom, and I'm going to give you the keys of it. That you don't have to wait to come be with me. We'll continue to come down and be with you. Now, when you pass from this life into the next, you'll come be with me. But until then, I want to continue to come and be with you. I want to bring the keys of the kingdom and give them to you so you can unlock and lock while you're on the earth. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you, Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, and whatever you, 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 so again, we are co-laborers with Christ. We are not watching Christ labor. Many are trying to watch Christ labor. Christ is not laboring. He's finished. He is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven on a throne. Thrones are in kingdoms, not religions. And so as he sits on the throne, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on you to ask. To ask. You have not caused you. It's not because God doesn't want to. It's because you haven't asked yet. So you don't have because you don't ask. Because when you ask, then I'll give you a key of that situation. Then that key is for you to do something with. So now I'm giving you a key and I'm still waiting on you. You waited on me to give you a key. Now I'm waiting on you to use the key. Because we are co-laborers together. 
You're not sitting around watching me work. We're working together. I do my part, you do your part. I can't do my part till you do your part. Now let me break it down back to salvation. How many of you accept and believe that when Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, and on the third day was raised from the dead by the power of the Holy Ghost, he took his blood to the mercy seat in heaven and once and for all paid the price of sin. How many of you believe that? So has all sin been atoned for? Every man, every woman, sin's done with? Has he taken care of it? So if my daughter, who's about to give birth to our sixth grandchild, when that child comes into the earth and realizes she needs a Savior, does Jesus have to come back to the earth, die on the cross, pour out his blood so that she can get born again? Well, how is her sins forgiven if she's not yet in the earth? Because he's already paid the price. Yes? But here's the thing. Just because the price has been paid does not mean everyone's received it. Jesus has done the work. So if a person's not born again, it's not God's fault. It's not like Jesus said, you know, it's my fault. I didn't pour out enough blood. I only had six pints. That's all I had. You know, I wanted this thing to go for eternity, right? No, he said, my blood was for all. But in order for you to receive the forgiveness that I've already done, I've already worked with my blood, you'll have to have faith. You will. The Lord will not come down and make my sixth grandchild get born again. He'll stay seated in heaven and he'll send laborers by her path, I'll be one, and begin to speak to her about the things of God. Amen. And instruct and let them know, as much as you may look like an angel, you're not, and you never will be, because God didn't make angels, he made us humans. Okay. And so you're going to need Jesus, and I want to point you to Jesus so that one day she'll say, I need Jesus. And we'll say, now let's pray. Do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you? And she'll say yes. Do you believe that God raised him from the dead? And she'll say yes. Then I'll say, pray this prayer. Or her prayers will, whoever. You understand, we're getting them in the kingdom. Right? But it'd be on their own free will because we're letting them know. You don't get to be with us until you're born again. You're not going to live forever with us until you're born again. You need Jesus. And so she will, by confession of her faith, cause the grace of God to finally get applied to her life. And she'll become a child of God. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Amen. But it's Jesus saying, I'm waiting on her to believe that I died. And the minute she does that work of faith, I'll do my work, and she'll become a new creature in Christ. The old will pass away, and behold, all things have become new. Amen. 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 Well, is it any different with any situation going on in your life today? Lord, I wish you would help me, you know, bring, pay off this or get me this. You know, Lord, I wish you would help me. And the Lord's like, let me give you a key. You do your part, I'll do mine. Yes. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Is that what he said? He'll do it. So he's given them away. Then he says, and you, 
And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall, shall have been loosed in heaven. So notice, you then, in going into prayer, have to first ask, what is your will, Father, concerning this situation? Most of us go into prayer telling God what we want Him to do. And that's why your prayers go unanswered. The Lord's not asking you for, him to for you to tell him what to do. He's asking you to find out what my will is, then tell me about what I want. So the minute you find out what his will is, then you know that is loosed in heaven or that is bound in heaven. Now I have a key, and I'm going to lock it down here on earth or I'm going to unlock it here on earth. And too often people are trying to unlock the blessings of God without locking down the, the advancement of the enemy. In essence, we want God's blessings, but keep a thief in our life. Well, Lord, do something about the devil. Jesus, like I did something about him. I whipped him, stripped him of all of his power. Everything's been done. Now you say something to him. Amen. The Bible tells in James, submit to God, resist the devil. Who resists the devil? You do. The minute you submit to God, you're resisting the devil because you're saying, I'm going to do it your way. Well, sometimes you got to look back and say, I bind that in Jesus' name. Devil, I bind your weapon. I bind your advancement. If you buy a car, put the key in it or leave it in, turn it on, open the doors and get out and go into, into town, somebody jumps in your vehicle and run. And then you call the insurance and say, well, my car was stolen. Well, what happened? Well, I left the keys in the doors open and it running. I don't know if they'll take care of you, but let's say they just figure out, bad day, okay? They total the car outright, give you a new one, get you another car. You get the next set of keys, car, you go to the next place, turn it on, leave the doors open, leave it running, walk out, somebody walks and steals it. And then you call your insurance, my car was stolen again. Amen. Let me go over here. And they're like, what happened? Well, you know, I parked, I left my car running, left the doors open, I went inside, and someone took it. <laughs> now, what do you think the insurance thinking about you? All right, they'll give you a pass, you do it again. Same thing, same results. Hello, someone stole my car. What happened? Now, you're thinking to yourself, nobody's that ignorant. Well, how come believers are believing God for a blessing, but never binding up the devil? You want somebody not to steal your car, take your keys with you and lock it when you go. There's an action. I got to lock my vehicle. Now, the good news is with technology, you can do very little anymore. Very little. But it still requires a signal. Something's happening. My faith is, for my wife's car, that when I take her keys and walk far enough away, it'll lock on its own. I don't even have to push a button anymore. Finally, the car says, the keys are further, so they must be gone, and as a result, we're locking it down. But I have to believe that. Now, good news is it has a little beep, which tells me when I'm going, and sometimes I get far enough that I think I'm far enough, and I don't hear it, I'm like, <laughs> right? Because I need to make sure. Because I don't want anybody just coming in and taking my vehicle. I don't want the devil just coming in on my life. I'm not ignorant of the devil's devices. So this is why Jesus said, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, that whatever you 
bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. There's some things you're going to have to bind. Don't let the devil harass you. I said in first service, my wife and I went over to Black Molly, uh, um, you know, one time, and she was driving at the time, and we got there, and she was, you know, gotten a text or something, so I got out to go in and get something, you know, get us a table. She ended up coming in. We sat down, had a great meal there by an hour. Walked back out, got to the car. It was running. We had been inside, and it's been running for an hour. I said, Marcy, the car's running. She said, why didn't you cut it off? <laughs> I said, honey, you drove. <laughs> so she's so used to actually being the passenger, and I usually cut it off and go. She was distracted by the phone uh, conversation she was in that she failed to actually push the button. Now, she did take the keys with her, and the car will lock even though it's running. So we had a car running. I'm sure everybody was going by going, that car's running. <laughs> Right? We were none the wiser. Amen? But again, if you leave the doors open with the keys in, you're just asking the devil. Because his assignment is, this is what he does, to kill, steal, and destroy. And you know what? He'll run up on your blessing so fast. He wants you to have keys of unlocking God's blessing so he can come right in and steal so that eventually you'll have this mindset that every time I get something from God, and then the devil says, he just took it. He just took it. He just took it. And then you'll misapply scripture. The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. When Job wasn't in heaven, when the devil came and said, Yeah, I've considered your servant Job. And the Lord says, Okay, so he's in your power. So the Lord didn't take it, the devil took it. But the devil made Job think it was God who did it. And many people, well, the Lord just just realized that, you know, he needed to take it from me that I couldn't handle it. Well, why don't you learn how to handle it? Learn how to handle something then. Amen? Amen? I said amen. No, we've been given the keys. All right? So characteristics of keys, again, just so we're putting yourself in way of remembrance, you've got to understand this. The kingdom of God is keys are by which the kingdom of God operates. It does not operate any other way. You have to understand this. If a true blessing or something has come from heaven, somebody had a set of keys to lock or unlock for you. It did not happen by chance. It did not happen by you were lucky. It did not happen. I was in the right place at the right time. There are many kids that have come into the kingdom of God, not by happen chance, but because mom's been praying. Been bonded that there's many that have come home drunk and didn't die on their way home drunk because mom was praying and bonding the devil up. And your, you know, stupidity and your uh, rebellion was, was locking things down. Make no mistake about it. Many people have testified when they've come to the Lord of how they had a mom, a grandma, an aunt, an uncle, a, a pastor, somebody praying for them. What were they doing? Taking those keys, locking, unlocking, locking, unlocking, unlocking laborers. Lord, I pray for laborers. You understand? Laborers don't go by people's paths just because. They go by because somebody unlocked a laborer to go by. Lord, your word says that the harvest is great, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he send forth laborers. I'm unlocking laborers over that person's life. I'm asking you to go by. And it ain't by chance somebody shows up and begins to say, and can I tell you about Jesus? You know, the weirdest thing happened. Somebody came by and started talking to me about Jesus. It's not weird. I unlocked them. Yeah. 
keys are active. Make no mistake about it. Please do not believe the lie or be deceived that it just happens because God is operating based upon keys. Somebody's locking and unlocking for your life. But eventually the Lord's like, you need to get your own set. We learn that keys are principles. They're codes of conduct. We learn that keys are laws. They're rules enforced by the governing authority. We learn that keys are systems, a network of distributing something. We, know, we, we learn that keys activate function or purpose. We uh, uh, learn that keys initiate action to bring about. You can go online and get these messages and go back and view them in their entirety. And the last thing we learn concerning characteristics of keys is keys cannot be substituted by feelings, emotions, wishful thinking, or manipulation. You need to understand that. You're not going to get God to do something because you feel a certain way. A lot of times, you know, people that come to the church that we don't know about at all, know nothing about, but they'll show up in a need. And they're like in massive chaos. And I tell our staff, we are not moved by their perceived need. We are led by the Spirit. We will not be reduced to a social service. We are led by the Spirit in what we give, how we give, what we do. Because one person's crisis doesn't move God anyway. Faith moves God. I said faith moves God. Faith moves God. And so we follow God, not crisis. You understand? People get in perpetual crisis mode, right? Which moves them into constant victim mode. And they're always victims. We're not going to let you stay a victim here. We'll teach you how to be a victor. God don't want you to be a victim in life. He wants you to become a victor of life in life. You are to rule and reign now. And we'll teach you the principles. We'll give you keys. Man, we are key cutters. Hallelujah. So that you can access the kingdom of heaven. There are seven properties of keys. We've covered five already, and that is keys represent access, keys represent power, keys represent freedom, keys represent authority, and keys represent control. Today, we're going to talk about keys represent resource, and keys represent authorization. Keys represent resource, which means this, keys represent stewardship of the owner's resource, which means you don't have to actually own it. All you need to do is get the owner to give you the responsibility to utilize it. But you are to utilize it. Okay? We see here in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 and 15, it says, For it is just like a man uh, about to go on a journey who called his own slaves and entrusted possessions to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, each according to his own ability, and he went on his journey. Notice, they all received based upon ability. It's not like they could not do. I said, it's not like they could not do. He did not give them something they couldn't handle. He did not give them something they couldn't handle. They knew exactly what to do with that which they were entrusted. Amen. And we know if you read this in its entirety, the five started working the five and got five more. The two started working the two and got two more. The one hid what he had. And I'm concerned because there's a lot of believers that get one right out the gate. What do I mean by one? You get the key of salvation. You're born again, born of the Spirit of God. God lives in you, and he wants you to start working, 
Meaning, you are to go and begin to witness. You are to go and begin to read the word. You are to go and start assembling yourself with other believers. You are to go and begin to start uh, exercising the things of the kingdom to learn, to grow who you are. But many of them come down to the altar, ask Jesus to come into their heart and save them, then never show up at church again. Their lives become buried. What do I mean buried? They literally are waiting for to die so when they leave their body, they go to heaven. They are even instructed by certain churches and denominations. Now, good news is you've asked Jesus into your heart to save you, and you can know this, that you are rest assured that when you die, you're going to go to heaven. Man, you're a child of God, and don't you ever be concerned that you won't uh, uh, um, go to heaven when you die. You're going to go. So they're like, I'm good. So then their whole life becomes buried. Meaning, they never seek the will of God. They never grow in the things of God. They just leave, go back to work, start living like they used to, acting like they used to. But then they say, yeah, but I'm born again. Their life doesn't live a life of repentance. They have an insurance policy. They have an insurance policy. You know, it wasn't well when the Lord showed up and the man buried the talent. We shouldn't bury who we are in Christ. We should be bold. I said we should be bold. Paul said, I am unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power unto salvation, which means you're going to know that I'm right with God. And I'm going to live in a way that demonstrates that I'm right with God. Now, I may not get everything right, but I'm going to work this deal. How many people bury their testimony? Well, yeah, I'm not sure how they're going to respond. Oh, I'm not going to say anything about Jesus because I could get fired. So you bury it. Okay. Ooh, let me go over here. Your job's not your supply. The Lord is. Amen. Now, I'm not saying go jump on the table like Democratic candidates today and start telling everybody about Jesus. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is do what you're led to do by the Spirit of God and don't be ashamed to do it. Let your light shine before men. As Pastor Marcy was saying during prayer, be the salt of the earth. You are to work the resource that you are. But I'm not just talking spiritual resource. I'm talking physical resource. Let's look at this. Because this right here is literally about physical resources. But in Psalms chapter 8, starting in verse 48, it says it this way. What is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care about him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, you, you, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the work of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and all the beasts of the field, the birds of the heaven, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the plant, uh, paths of the sea. So when we read this, most people say, well, that's talking about Jesus when he comes. That's foreshadowing about Jesus. And in one sense, it is, but it really was about man. Because if you actually take this passage of Scripture and go over to Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness, and let him have dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, over all the cattle, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, and over all the earth. 
So man, not Jesus, but Adam. And, and Adam's uh, dominion would have transferred to every human being that ever would have been born on the earth if he had never fallen out of dominion and they would have ruled over this earth. Jesus comes back because Adam did not lose a religion but lost access to God's kingdom, fell from dominion, and Jesus comes to get man's dominion back. In order to get man's dominion back, he must forgive them of their rebellion. What was man's rebellion? We call it sin. Sin is disobeying God's word. What was Adam's sin? Adam's sin was he ate the fruit God said do not eat. For the day you do, you will surely die. You'll die. He ate the fruit. He gave his dominion to the devil. Jesus came and took that dominion back. Hallelujah. And he came as a man. Because a man could only get back what Adam lost. But he came as God in the flesh. Hallelujah. And he became the lamb without spot or wrinkle. But he came so that we could have it now, not when we go to heaven. There's nothing to conquer in heaven. There's plenty to conquer down here on the earth. Amen? Amen. So God empowered his people. Jesus did not come to institute an escape plan. He came to bring a dominion plan, an empowering plan. Most people just want to escape, which reminds me, my son, you know, was telling me this past weekend, him and his wife went out on a uh, 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 an outing with another couple and they went to one of the escape rooms here in town. In fact, this particular escape room that they did was like nationally rated as one of the hardest ones. You get one hour to get out. Now here's the crazy thing. The whole world loves these escape rooms. They love them, right? Have you ever been to one? They're really fun. You got to figure out how to get out. And this one was pretty interesting he was telling me about because they actually handcuffed them. Right? They got knocked over the head here in St. Augustine while they were vacationing, and a doctor filled them with drugs and threw them in an insane asylum. They were in a padded room. Yeah. So they had to find the key. They were blindfolded and handcuffed. Now he said the handcuffs were in front, so the good news is he could pull the blindfold off pretty quick. Amen. That was to their advantage. But then they had to solve clues, and here's the thing. There's only one way out. It's according to the rules set by the one who created the room. Which means my son couldn't stand and say, I want to escape a different way. I'll tell you Jesus is the only way, and people want to argue that there might be a different way. But yet you get him in an escape room, and I say... I've already done this. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching. I know the combination to this first lock. You do? Yeah. Tell me. No. <laughs> You'd be mad at me, right? No, you wouldn't even argue with me. 7392. 7392. Boom. All of a sudden it works. What? And we unlock our little handcuffs. We go to the next. I know this one. What? You know it? They're listening to everything I say. Why? Because they want to get out. Yet when I tell them the same thing, Jesus is the master key to all things to be unlocked. 
We want to argue. I'm preaching now. Okay. So listen, we've been given to, it's amazing how people want to sit in the room and fail to get out in an hour just because you don't want to listen to someone who says, I've already been through it. Well, now here's the thing. You know, my friends came in and they couldn't solve it. And my friends came, I solved it. And I remember. And I can tell you how to get out. This is why escape rooms have to change after a while because too many people learn it and then all of a sudden people can get through. But God doesn't change the way to get to him. He never changes. He said, Jesus. Jesus is the way. 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 And you know how you feel when they lock you up and you're like, I'm going to show you I can get out. You're like, but yet when it comes to the devil, instead of saying, I'll show you I can get out, <laughs> we're like sit in a room and say, well, sister so-and-so was in this room and died of cancer. And sister so-and-so was in this room and, you know, they took the house. And brother so-and-so was in this room and their marriage fell apart. Hallelujah. No, we need to find the keys and unlock these things, and then you can say, I got a key, and I can show you how to get your own key. Said, if you ever get in this room, you can get the way of escape. What's the Bible say? He'll offer the way of escape. Maybe I'll get one of these escape rooms and let me do it, and we'll videotape it and set up a whole new set of rules that's different than anybody else. That way, you know, when you watch it, you won't go and try to do it. It'll just be one time, but then we can communicate this truth. Yeah. Hallelujah. You know, so it's really, sh it ain't odd thought when we say Jesus is the only way. That's so narrow-minded. You have no problem in the escape room with that. You have no problem when you take your SAT with that. Let's have wisdom, people. We can talk to the world. They act like they're so smart, but the reality is they need Jesus. And we have the answer. But if all we're doing is hiding ourselves... And not unlocking the resources of God so that we can do something great for him. So God gave us these resources to overcome. I know that God's given me resource. In fact, right now, I am currently not the owner of 2121 US 1 South, known as the Ponce de Leon Mall. I am a leaser. I lease. Um, I'm a le I leasee, I guess is how you say it. And I, I'm, I'm leasing from the ownership. But in contact and in conversation to actually purchase the mall that they own. Now, here's the thing. They've shut down the inside. And they've removed the mall manager. And so no one's here on a day-to-day -day basis to take care of things. So you know what the owner did? The owner started calling us. Now, Pastor Earl, we've got the... Um, um, uh, pest control coming by. Since without us having to send somebody all the way from Lake City, could you guys let them into the mall? We could if you give us the key. So what did they do? Gave us the key. So when the pest control comes, I don't call and say, hey, do you want me to let them in? 
I already know the will of the ownership. He's already authorized me. So what we do is we go turn the combination, pull the key out, unlock the door, and let him in. But it's bigger than that. Because when we've gone through, we realize they have some stuff. In fact, most of the tables that we put out during a conference, if you flip those wooden tables over, it says PM on the other side. And that's not Pastor Mike or Pastor Marcy. That stands for Pont Small. The black um, tables that are in the hallway, they used to be out in the mall. We said, hey, we want to bring them in our space since nobody's out there. And they said, go ahead. We got resources from the owner simply by asking. And when they show up, they don't go, that's ours. Get that out of the space. They're like, no, you can, nobody else, you can use them. The black benches, when you come up, was theirs. We said, we want to move them here and put them down. Go ahead. Now we use them at will. I don't go out to the hall and call up uh, Augusta, Georgia, and say, can I have your permission to sit on your bench? They have a scissor lift in the maintenance room. And we called them and said, listen, we could use that scissor lift. Okay, but the, you need batteries. So they said, we'll buy batteries. They bought the batteries, and we co-labored with them. We picked up the batteries, put the batteries in, and now I don't have to call Augusta, Georgia, and say, can I use your scissor list? I already have the authorization to utilize. I have the resource of the owner. They've given me permission, and at any time we get a light out in this place or we're out needing to paint something or pressure wash something, you know what we do? We unlock the code because we have the key, and we open up the door, and we drive that thing out. Hallelujah. And if they should ever pay us a visit and see us with their stuff, we're not in trouble. Now, you may say, why do you do all this for a mall when you don't own it? You ought to make them pay for all that stuff. You don't understand. I already own it in the spirit. I'm sowing towards something that's already mine. And this is why people don't acquire property, and this is why people don't extend their faith, because they want until it all shows up before they'll do anything. No, I'll go ahead and walk around the mall like it's ours. That's why we'll sometimes say, man, we got to clean up the mall, man. I mean, there's trash around front, and all of a sudden we'll go around and pick up the trash. We don't call them and say, can you send somebody from Lake City and clean up this trash? Well, I, they don't. I pay them to, no. I sow into what God has said is mine, and because I'm already being a good steward of his resource, it's going to be easy for him to transfer it to me in the natural. Hallelujah. No, people don't want to show how well they would do something until they get it themselves. But you understand, you violate principle of Scripture. The Bible says, the one, if one has little, you got to be faithful with little if you're going to be faithful with much. If you're not faithful with a little, you won't be faithful with a much. Then it goes on and says it this way. And if you're faithful with another man's, it doesn't have to be mine first. I just need to be faithful with his then. Not complain. Now, we'll ask questions. Are we doing more than we should at this point? In fact, Pastor Brandon's gotten calls from them a lot of times. They're like, hey, can you do this? He says, listen, I, I work for somebody. I'll have to ask. 
You know, so he says, they called, asked if I can do this. Do you want me to? You know, and at that point, we make a decision of whether we can or cannot because we are literally not the mall managers, but we operate more consistently like we are because God has given us a resource. And as we are faithful with another man, God will cause us to have favor at the table. Are you with me? Resource is important. Because God wants to give us resource. And when it gets into our hands, we've got to be faithful with this. I'm going to give you this testimony. And you've heard this before, uh, most of you, but not everybody. But when we were located in 312, God provided a resource for us. We had the uh, preschool. And that preschool needed a closed-in area for them to play. So a member of the church basically paid for uh, putting the privacy fence up. That was their intent. Well, we had put the post down, we had put the cross members down, and we're putting each one at a time up. That's how we're not, we didn't buy panels, we're going to build it from scratch. Well, the day that they showed up, I had another person with me, he had somebody with them. They brought the picket, and man, when I stepped back and looked at that picket and I saw the area we had to cover, I knew in the natural, without a doubt, there is not enough. So... You know, here they are. We got them, and I've got my little nail and gun, you know. We're putting the first one in, boom, 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 boom. And in my, inside me, I'm saying, this ain't enough. Boom, 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 boom. I never verbalized, but inside, this ain't enough. And I just kept running it. Like, man, you know, and you're watching it, and you're saying, jeez, man, we've already put that much. Man, this is... It's just not going to be enough, you know? Because, look, I got a lot going on right now. I got a lot of other things I can spend. You understand what I'm saying? You're thinking about all that you, and boom, and I'm just, I mean, I'm thankful, but, man, this ain't enough, you know? And I'm just hitting it, boom, 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 you know, hitting all of them, boom, boom. Got to about right here, saying it, thinking it in my spirit, you understand? Not out loud, because, you know, I don't want the person who's donated all this to basically say, you didn't get enough. But when I got to about that point, the Lord said to me, is this what you're going to say the whole time? He said, am I not the God of more than enough? What are you doing with my resource? And immediately he reminded me of two instances in the Bible because everything be confirmed out of two or three witnesses. The first one was the widow woman that had enough bread, enough meal to make a... a um, uh, flour to make a, a bread for her and her son and then die. But the man of God came and said, do me first. Yeah. And it said her, her barrel never ran dry during the famine. God multiplied that. Then it was the five loaves and two fish. God was able to feed 5,000 men plus women and children with five loaves and two fish. And he says, is that what you're going to call it? Now he's talking to somebody that has keys. Someone who has keys. Who knows to call those things that be not as though they were. So at this point, uh, know this, guys. I was in sin. I was in sin. And the sin I was in is what James says. He who knows what to do and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. And I knew I should have called those things that be not as though they were, but I didn't. I just called it as it was. Well, at that point, I repented. Don't tell me it takes long to repent. I was quick. I was like, yes, sir. The very next one, we have more than enough. 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 Now, in the natural, we do not. Just get past halfway with what we had. But as I kept nailing and I kept calling, God performed a miracle. I don't know how he did it. 
Because I don't know how he multiplied the meal for a woman that only had enough for her and her son, but to make it through a whole famine to feed three people. I don't know how he multiplies five loaves and two fish and is able to feed 5,000 men plus women and children and then have 12 basketfuls over, but he did it. Yeah. Oh, I don't know how he kept multiplying picks. But by the time I got where I laid the last one, I'm on the other side now, okay? I'm laying the last one, more than enough. And that was the last one. The distance that I called it not enough was all I had left. If I had said it from the beginning, I would have made it to the end. But because the distance that I called it not enough was the not enough I didn't have. We moved here and had to do another play yard for Treasure Harbor Preschool. You need to learn your lessons. I learned my lesson. So we need to put up a concrete block wall over here. Talking about resources, guys. Talking about keys represent resource. So, I have so much money available for us to buy cinder blocks. I can't build a privacy fence. I'm in the mall. You're going to have to put up a concrete block wall. That costs a little bit more than wood. So, I had a certain amount and I heard the Spirit of the Lord say, start with that. Well, at that point, I started remembering 312. I'm like, if he can multiply wood, he can multiply concrete. I mean, I'm not going to get in the way. No way. Not me. So I, to the guys that were going to help us do it, I said, we're going to start. Man, that's Pastor Earl, you know, we're going to, I said, I know what we need, but we're going to start with this. So just start. And while you're laying them, just say there's more than enough. <laughs> I'm training you. Know, there's more than enough. Because I don't know if it's going to happen with you like it happened with me. All I know is we ain't going to say something else. <laughs> so they were saying it. They were getting the bottom layer done. We got the bottom layer. It got inspected. started going up. Well, in that process, maybe a few days, I don't remember how much it was. Unbeknownst to us, without our knowing, somebody was driving down Old Moultrie, seeing our work. One day, pulls in and stops at the guys that were working and says, see y'all building the wall. Yep. They said, I have a whole lot of cinder blocks sitting in my yard right now that I would give you if you come get them. <laughs> See, the problem is we don't get out in faith. We want to wait for it all to show up before we do it so we can say, oh, look what God did before. When God says, step out in the midst and I'll take care of it as you go. Step with him. Now, if God said, don't even move till you get it all, then fine, I would do that. But the point is, is that we got to move when God moves and think like God thinks and know that he's given us the keys to resources. So I didn't realize that God had already prepared cinder blocks for me in another man's yard before I ever started laying the first block. But I never would have had that guy come by if I'd have just kept waiting to put up a wall. Because he wouldn't have saw us working. Right now, when you go to the outside, you can't tell which is brand new cinder block and which one came from that man's yard. You can't tell the difference. But God brought the provision. So I did not have to buy all that I needed. I only had to buy a portion, and God provided the rest. Amen. 
So we want God, you want God to utilize the resource that you have. You need to know that, listen, if you need resources, unlock some things. Yeah. Unlock some things. Lock some things down. Devil, you can't bring lack to my house. Lord, I unlock prosperity, which means if you need to multiply it in my cupboards, do it. If you need to send somebody by my house and drop groceries, you do it. I trust you. And when I get a resource, Lord, if you need me to distribute, I won't think, but what does that leave me? I'll just do it. Because you've given me heaven and earth. The, the, you've given me the access to be able to touch your heaven and bring it into earth. Amen? Then the last one was this. Keys represent authorization. That means ask in my name. Now, I asked this in first service, and I'm going to ask in second at a show of hands. How many of you... Uh, let me read the scripture first, though. In John chapter 14, verse 14, John is the writer. He says this, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. Are you with me? Yes. Let me go ahead and read John 16 then. 23 and 24 says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. He will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. You will receive. You will receive so that your joy may be made full. So he said, you, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. I will do it. I will do it. So I asked this question in first service, asking this one. Let's just be honest. How many of you have prayed to God, asked him for something, and he did not do it? Yeah. Now, there's two reasons why, and I'm going to tell you what they are. Number one, you asked, and it wasn't his will. Many people ask God to do something, and it's actually not his will. Lord, give me this promotion. Lord, I'm praying for a promotion. I'm praying for a promotion. You don't even know if God actually wants you promoted there. Okay, I'll go over here. Listen, God wants a man to work. Okay, not a problem there. He wants you to be at a work. He wants whatever you put your hand to prosper, but it's in the place he wants that. And a lot of times we just ask for a thing without saying, is it your will for me to have this? And if it is, now I'm going to go asking. The second reason why you don't get it is because you get in doubt after you know his will. Because you cannot tell me that you asked him something according to his will in faith and he didn't do it. That is impossible to happen according to scripture. It's impossible. Now bless God, I prayed and asked God and I did believe and he didn't do it. Well, you may have believed, but you believed the wrong thing and it wasn't his will. Or you were actually in doubt. Now, just be honest. You were in doubt. You were wishy-washy. You were in faith one day and in doubt the next day. You were in faith one day and, and in doubt the next day. And the Bible says that man ought to expect to receive nothing from God for he's double-minded, unstable in all of his ways. Be honest. Be honest. Be honest. Because you're trying to call God a liar. God is not a lie. He's not a man that he should lie. If Jesus said, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it, then he's obligated yes. to do it. Yes. Period. Yes. Now, 
John, who's the writer of these two passages of Scripture, also is the writer of 1 John. And 1 John kind of explains this a little bit better on the anything. This is where most people get off because they are thinking anything. Well, Lord, I believe you for a boat, but he didn't give me one. Well, did you ask if it's his will for you to have one to advance his kingdom? I don't have a problem if he needs you to have a boat to advance his kingdom, but if you don't need one because it's just for recreational purposes, then maybe he's not really in the place of need to provide that for you. Okay? Maybe that's the case. I don't know. I'm just saying you need to ask. So we get this anything going. Well, John clarifies it in 1 John. He says, this is the confidence, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence that we have if we ask anything according to his will. So the anything is in connection to the will of the Father. Then we know that he hears us. Why? Because God hears his word. Not only does God hear his word, but he watches over his word in order to perform it. Because he said, my word shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. Which means then, here's what he says. I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. In essence, when you go to prayer and say, Father, because keys uh, represent authorization, I'm looking for your authorization in this matter. What is your will concerning this? So heaven speaks to you. The Father tells Jesus. Jesus tells the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit tells you. Now you know heaven's word. Then you begin to speak heaven's word back. That is you turning your key, your confession of faith. It is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. And when he hears it, this is the confidence that you have, just like you're confident when you put your key in and unlock your front door or you push your little unblock button on your, on your vehicle and you confidently grab that handle and open it up. Same thing. You can have confidence. I unlocked heaven and heaven's coming to earth. I unlock healing. Healing's here. I unlock prosperity. Prosperity's here. I unlock peace. Peace is here. I bow. I lock down the doubt. Doubt can't come around. I lock down uh, symptoms. Symptoms have to cease. I lock down lack. Lack can't come and steal away what I have. I lock down anxiety. Now peace floods me. See, you got to submit to God, resist the devil. There is a uh, unlocking and a locking that has to take place. There is, I lock down the schemes and the devices of the devil, and I loose the provision of God. So when they come in, you can't take them. Because I've been authorized. I've been authorized in the name of Jesus. I've been authorized. And why is this key so important? Because it's the key that is the one that is the action of turning. It's the very thing that no matter what you need, when you get his will, you then when you pray, say, in Jesus' name. I pulled out the key of healing in my life one time. I was in a particular uh, restaurant, had eaten some fish, same meal, two days in a row, and the Lord spoke to me because I started having this breakout, and he says, you need to get on it. I knew what that meant by his spirit, and so I began to pray, pray in the spirit, began to pull out my key to get healing to manifest in my body. The Lord eventually told me, he said, you had too much mercury. You know, you eat too much fish, you can get mercury poisoning, and I, was re I had gotten that. Very damaging to your life. It can kill you. And I asked the Lord, the reason why, I asked the Lord because I'm like, Lord, what do you need me to do? I'm having an allergic reaction. I have no problem with going to Benadryl right now. 
But the Lord said, Benadryl ain't going to touch this. <laughs> so then he lets me know what it is. And Benadryl ain't touching mercury poison. So I'm saying, do I need to go to the hospital? They need to pump me because I have no problem with man pumping it out of my system. But the Lord said, just speak the word only. And I did. And I kept turning that key in the name of Jesus. Your word says, by his stripes, ye were healed. So I'm healed today. The word says that, that your name is above every name. So mercury can't stay in my body. I have Zoe life flowing through my veins. Your word says, I'm pulling out my keys and unlocking Elon. And everyone, I said, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, why can I say this? I'm authorized. I'm authorized to go into the room of healing. I don't have to wait for Jesus to come down. He already came down. He's going up. And now he sends down what I, what I can receive. I'm unlocking it in the name of Jesus. An hour and 45 minutes later, I was completely healed. It was completely gone. And life went back to normal. Amen. I authorized. I was authorized. Another time when it came to winds and waves and speaking to weather, the Lord spoke to me concerning, don't you ever, you stand on guard and don't you let anything come to your dwelling with all these hurricanes that come through the state of Florida. And for years, if you've been with us, you've seen us. We talk to them. We speak to them. They, the, uh, they give them a name. We put the name of Jesus on. Now, I know what happens here. People are like, oh, well, if that's the case, why don't you just kill them? God ain't authorized me to kill them. Because the earth's in travail. I can't stop what the earth's travailing in. You know what else I can't stop? I can't stop death from running to people. Because the wages of sin is death. I can't stop that. But what I can do is stop it from coming near my dwelling. Coming from the place that I have authority over. Because I've been authorized to keep it safe. Yeah, there may be a thousand fall to my right, ten thousand fall to my left. But it will not come near me. And I won't use somebody's testimony of where something fell apart and like that has to happen with me. No, I'll believe the word because I've been authorized to use the name of Jesus. It's amazing. If we would just get it, get it, child of God, that God wants you to be authorized. Don't look for the excuse to stay complacent. Don't look for the excuse to continue to satisfy your flesh. No, say, I want to rise up and be authorized. I want to pull out the keys of the kingdom that God has given me the authority to walk in, and I want to use them day in and day out so that nothing can come near me. I want to learn his principles. Let's rise up. The only testimony you should receive is the testimonies that are in alignment with God's word. God knows the heart of man. I don't. There's a lot of times people get in doubt and unbelief, but yet out of their mouth they're saying something else. All I know is this word works every time, and it does not fail. Because where the word of the king is, there's power. Period. So instead of me trying to make an excuse of why it didn't work for somebody, I'll just say, God, you're the truth, and let every man be a liar. Help me learn how to be like you. Help me release who you created me to be. Help me to understand and discover the keys of the kingdom. Because here's the thing, man. God so desires, Jesus so desires, so desires to authorize you to use the keys of the kingdom to access heaven and unlock all of his resources to fulfill his purpose.